Welcome to the Mum Boss Podcast, hosted by me, Renee O'Neill. I'm your host, life and business coach for mums, and a mum of two myself. I'm here to help you be the present mum you're wanting to be, whilst also having a successful business, because you can have both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You have come to the right place if you're a mum who dreams of time and financial freedom and wants to be fulfilled in life alongside motherhood. This podcast is a place where you can come to be inspired and empowered whilst also getting tangible tips, advice and strategies to help you in your life and business. So let's dive in. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk to you about the journey that I've been on. And to be really honest, I don't know what to label it as. Um, I guess it could be considered a um, form of postnatal depression. It could be classed as stress and overwhelm as a mum. It could be classed and labeled as so many different things. But to be honest, I don't know what to call it. And I don't really want to label it either because I feel like labels can become a detrimental thing um, and not a helpful thing. So I will share with you my journey and where I'm at now and how I've gotten to the place that I've gotten to. Because if there is anyone who has felt like this or is currently feeling like this, um, I think it could be of benefit to hear from somebody else how they had moved past that themselves. So that is what this episode is going to be about today. Um, so I hope you um, get something out of it. So for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm obviously Renee and I'm a wife and a mum of two. So um, at the point of recording this, I don't know when you're listening to it, whether that's going to be um right after I've published it or whether it will be sometime down the track. But I have an almost seven-year-old daughter, Shay, and a three-and-a-half-year-old son, Lawson. And like Lee and I, our kids are also polar opposites. And as a parent to two totally different children in like their personality and their temperaments, it's been quite a challenge. Um... And if anyone else has two children who are very different from each other, you'll probably be able to relate to that. Now, I'm actually quite lucky to be a mum and I feel like every single person who gets to be gifted with children is lucky, of course. Um, But in my circumstance, I guess I'm a little bit, not lucky, I don't know what the word is to use there, but... um, Children may not have been a possibility for me. Um, When I was 22, I was actually diagnosed with cervical cancer. And at the end of that journey, I was told that the chances of me falling pregnant and carrying a baby were now um, a lot less than they were prior. Well, obviously that turned out not to be the case, um, which is very lucky for me. And I'm obviously very, very grateful for that. Um, I actually remember three years after that, that cancer journey, going in for a routine consult with my doctor and sitting down and telling her that I was actually 10 weeks pregnant. And um, I think we were both a little shocked. She was shocked because obviously I had a lot less of a chance of that happening. And I was shocked because even though... um, Lee and I 
sort of, how do I explain this? <laughs> um, we weren't not trying, but we weren't, we weren't, we didn't sort of think that it would happen so quickly, if at all. So we were a little shocked too, um, but in a in a really good way, of course. Now, pregnancy was a struggle though. Um, with both of my pregnancies, I had to have a surgical procedure um, whilst pregnant. Um, with Shay, I think that ended up being at about 21 weeks. Um, with Lawson's pregnancy, it ended up being at about 14 weeks. Um, there was a lot of bed rest that I had to endure and um, I was heavily monitored. So I had weekly appointments with the gynecologist and obstetrician um, and yeah, just heavily monitored, which in some ways was a good thing because for me, um, I tend to be a bit of a worry ward at the best of times. Um, so during pregnancy, when most mums are generally a bit more anxious and nervous and worried and things, I got to, we sort of got to check on our babies every single week. So whilst being a high risk pregnancy, you know, is is a bad thing and can be worrisome and all the rest of it. I did get that confirmation every week that everything was still okay. So it was hard to explain. At, at times it felt like it was a blessing. Um, but yeah, pregnancy was just oh, full of fear and being scared and, you know, not, not ever knowing if things were going to be okay. And, you know, people that have normal pregnancies feel like that. But for me, I knew that falling pregnant and carrying a child was going to be more of a challenge for me. So I was so petrified the entire pregnancy because I just was so worried that things weren't going to work out well for us. Um, and with Lawson, when I was pregnant with him at 28 weeks, I actually went into full labor with him. Um, but luckily the doctors were able to stop my contract contractions. So, um, I remember being petrified then too, because 28 weeks is obviously extremely early. Um, and where I live is not near a hospital, um, that would be able to provide the care we would need if I had a child that early. So I would have had to have been flown to another hospital and, you know, it, all those thoughts go through your mind when things like that happen. So I remember just being really scared and fearful the entire way through both of my pregnancies. Um, but I was so relieved, obviously the first time round, um, Shay was born healthy at 36 weeks and, for anyone who has had a child, um, you will know that just unexplainable feeling of love that you have when you have your baby. And it's just, it's something that's really hard to explain. Um, but it's just literally the best day of your life. Um, and for me, I just was, oh, I remember feeling like a big amount of relief left my body. <laughs> um, just, just being so grateful that she was here and everything was okay. And we sort of made it through it because as I said, my pregnancies were full of stress and worry. So, um, yes, very grateful when she was born healthy. And as a first time round mum, I actually adjusted to mum life quite well. Um, little did I know though, that Shay was actually an amazingly easy baby. Um, she barely cried and she slept quite well for a baby. I mean, 
babies literally don't sleep all the time and throughout the night from the get-go. But, you know, she still slept quite well. She'd wake for a feed and she'd just go straight back to sleep. Um, And I just really, really loved being a mum. Like, it obviously wasn't perfect, but, um, you know, friends and other people have, have said to me they found it a challenge when they had to adapt to mum life. Whereas for me, I really felt like I just eased into it. Um, so yeah, I really adapted quite well. Now, remember I was telling you before that my two kids are polar opposite? Well, Lawson came along and changed everything. I literally went from being a confident, happy and, um, sociable mum to an overwhelmed, stressed and anxious mum. And uh, I can't even explain how that felt. Um, he cried a lot, he barely slept, and everything that had worked for Shay did not work for him. And I honestly felt like such a lost and failed mum. And despite having my amazingly supportive husband who always said I was doing such a great job and helped in any way he possibly could, I really could not change how I actually felt. And I just felt like a total failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough to be a mum anymore. I felt utter guilt for Shay because, you know, all of a sudden I've got this baby who's literally taking up all of my energy and everything I have within me. And then I felt sorry for Lawson too, because I just thought you're not getting the best version of me as a mum either. And Shay did get that good version. So uh, it was just, it was just such an awful feeling. And if any of you have experienced that or are currently experiencing that, please know you're not alone. And I do promise things will get easier, even though I know it doesn't feel like it. So I had been silently struggling for 12 months. Now, when I say silently, obviously my uh, my husband knew that I was, how I was feeling and my best friend and, and things. But, you know, it's one of those things when you're feeling like that, you it's it's not like you keep it a secret, but it's you, you don't want to feel like that. So you sort of don't want to admit that to many people either. Um, and obviously it's very vulnerable to share that with somebody. So me sharing this now in this podcast is obviously very hard for me. Um, but I just know that if one person hears it and, and doesn't feel alone and also knows that you can get past this, um, then this has been so worth it. So at the 12 month point, I actually had to undergo an abdominal hysterectomy. So that was a preventative measure from the cervical cancer that I had had um, back when I was 22. Now with this surgery, it was pretty daunting because I knew that it would tamper with my hormones. And as I was already emotionally not feeling the best, that made me a bit nervous. Now, I was laying in hospital post-op, so I'd already had my surgery, and I remember sitting there, or laying there, I should say, um, talking to my best friend who had came come into hospital to visit me. And we were just chatting, literally, I can't even remember what about, but literally just girl talk, chitter chatter type stuff. And I started to feel funny. And I can't explain how that was either. Um, I remember we were just chatting and I said to her, oh, I really don't feel right. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't feel right. So she called the nurse over who came over and she checked my blood pressure and my heart rate. 
And then she called a code blue. Now, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this in the podcast before or whether you would know this, but I actually work part-time in admin at my local hospital. Plus, I have watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. So I knew that code blue meant medical emergency. And immediately I'm thinking, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And when you call a code blue, there's like a crash cart team of doctors and people that come in, and I should say rushing in, um, to you know deal with their, the medical emergency that they're being presented with. So they came rushing in and I was so scared that I literally just closed my eyes. I did not want to see what was going on. Just the the feeling of laying in a bed and having all these doctors like over the top of you, hooking you up to things, doing all these things in such a panic mode really scared the hell out of me. So I just closed my eyes. I didn't want to see that. Now, when that was happening, my hands were stuck in this I can't, I can't show you because it's a podcast, but my hands were sort of all uh, contorted. I don't even know the word to use. My hands were stuck in a position and I couldn't move them. And then I started losing feeling in my feet. So as that's happening with my eyes closed at the same time, I'm explaining that to the doctors that are all around me. I'm saying, I can't move my hands. I can't feel my feet. And then it started traveling up my body. So then I'm like, I can't feel my legs. And I could feel it. It was going up my legs and up my my body. And then as I'm explaining, like, I can't feel my body. And I'm starting to really like, oh, my God, what is happening to me? I went to speak and I couldn't speak. So I literally lost all feeling and, and like, control of my body. And I couldn't even speak. And uh, still, it's still hard to talk about, even though this was, like, two and a half, three years ago now, um, I have never in my entire life been that scared. And in that moment with all these people around me and um, not being able to feel my body, I all I could think was I'm literally about to die and I'm not going to see Lee and the kids again. Um, God, um and it was just the worst feeling in the world. And I just can't explain how it felt. Um, but it was petrifying. Um, and as I said, I've never been so scared in my entire life. So eventually um, I came back to normal. <laughs> um, and I use quotation marks normal because um, I wouldn't consider myself normal. Um, but uh, yeah, eventually I, I came right and I said to the doctors, what's wrong with me? Because they'd, you know, they'd hooked me up to all this stuff and they were doing all these things. And the doctor said to me, you had a panic attack. And I remember thinking, what? A panic attack? And the doctor said, yes, it was a very, very severe case. You had literally only had blood pumping to your brain and heart, but yes, you had a panic attack. And as somebody who has never had a panic attack before, I literally had no idea that a panic attack could be so severe. 
I had this illusion of a panic attack being somebody who is breathing, finding it hard to breathe and just sort of needing a paper bag to breathe into. I had no idea you could actually put yourself in a position where you're you're panicking and your thoughts and your brain could shut your body down like that. No idea. So for anyone who has had a panic attack before, oh my God, my heart goes out to you because I had I just literally had no idea. And it's so bad to think that, you know, if somebody had said to me, oh, I suffer panic attacks, I would have just sort of thought, oh, that's no good. Oh, but now if somebody says to me they've had a panic attack, oh my God, like, it's like I relive that moment. Like, I just think you poor person, like, it must just be so awful to endure. So for me, that was just such a huge turning point. The fact that I could sit there and think to myself that I had the power with my own thoughts to shut my body down like that, to get myself in such a panic. And as I said, me and my best friend were just sitting there chit-chatting. I I didn't even feel like I was that panicked. (laughs) Um, But the thing is with that is underlyingly, I was so stressed, so overwhelmed, so emotional, all, all those kinds of wordings that it was an underlying thing and it was something that, you know, I'd been not coping for, you know, 12 months that it was just bubbling to the surface and, and it came out in a, a severe panic attack. So for me, to know that, you know, how I was feeling, my stress and my overwhelm and just how I was feeling is now having a physical effect on my body just made me really realize it's time to turn things around and it's time to get yourself on track. Um, because I didn't want to feel like that. No one wants to feel like that when they're in that position. Um, but I really just needed to make some changes and and do what I could to get myself in a place where I'm back to that really happy and confident and um, sociable mum that I used to be. So it was, I'm sort of, it sounds so weird to say this, but I'm sort of glad it happened because it really gave me the kick up the bum I really needed at that time. So coincidentally, or perhaps not, I was introduced to doTERRA essential oils at that time. And it honestly changed my life. And I I do realize that when people say things like that, it's sort of a bit of an eye roll moment. And you think, yeah, of course you're going to say that. Like, you know, people are aware that I'm a doTERRA essential oil leader. So people are going to think, of course you're going to say that. But honest and truly, it really did. I used the oils to help Lawson sleep and they worked. And in turn, by him being able to sleep, I was then able to sleep. And then I started using the oils to support how I was feeling emotionally as well. And honestly, each day I started to feel better and better. And I I started feeling like my old happy self again. And honestly, it's one of those things, I think, especially with essential oils, you really do need to try them for yourself to be able to decide for yourself if you feel they work. But um, because I was skeptical too, but for me, I was at the end of my, um, I was at the end of feeling like I was feeling was willing to give it a go and, and it worked and they helped. So 
if you're somebody who, you know, you're a little curious about essential oils, but you're not willing to take, take the plunge, give me and like send me a message or send me an email or something. And I will send you some to try because I think, um, trying them, you'll be able to see for yourself and make that decision for yourself. Um, the power of how amazing they actually are. Um, but aside from my essential oils, I also really got into personal development as well. So just developing strategies to help manage my stress and create routines. So cleaning schedules and meal planning and things to sort of help me in mum life. And I got into journaling and meditation and just working on my mindset. And I really attribute all of these things together um, to me becoming the person I am today and really overcoming that sinking feeling that I had felt. So I want to leave you with three strategies um, that you can walk away with to implement into your life to help you become your best possible self. And I think these three things, no matter where you are in life, even if life's really great, they're really amazing things that you could be doing to just um, really embrace life. So the first thing is just to take some time out for yourself. Now I'm hearing you. I'm a busy mum and I don't have time, which I can wholeheartedly relate to. Um, But, you know, finding a bit of time where you can. So perhaps it's your hubby or your partner watching the kids or um, family or friends or even just waking up half an hour earlier than your kids of a morning or when they've gone to bed of a night, staying up a little bit later to have some me time. So me time to me is just spending time doing the things that you love. So that's going to be different for everyone, but it could be painting, drawing, Um, cooking, going for a walk, watching reality TV, which I'm a total fan of, Um, taking a bath, reading a book, whatever it is that you like. But having a bit of time out so you can do those things is really, really important. And I think especially when you're busy and especially when you feel like you don't have the time is probably when you need it the most. So taking some time out for yourself is definitely something I highly encourage you to do. The other thing is meditation. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you and say that this was something that I found really hard to implement, um, and it certainly was not something that at all came natural to me, Um, but just spending at least five minutes a day in quiet time. So that can be simply when you're in your shower, just no music, no added distractions, just having some quiet time paying attention to the way the water um, drops and feels on your body. Um, it could be just sitting sitting in silence, sitting outside or going to the beach and just sitting there and being with your thoughts. Or what something I like to do is use a guided meditation. So you can find these on YouTube. Um, there'd be plenty of podcasts that contain guided meditations. Um, but I like to use apps on my phone um, and my phone's always with me so I could basically meditate anywhere I wanted to um, and they just sort of guide you through a meditation and sometimes I think that's really helpful because it forces you to listen to that person's voice and then you're paying you're sort of paying a lot more attention whereas for me I find trying to meditate on my own a little bit harder um, so the two apps that I like to use there's one called calm and another one called Headspace. 
and I find them amazing. And there's even guided meditations to help you sleep. There's guided meditations for stress. There's basically a guided meditation for everything you can think of. But I really like those. Um, so if you're new to meditation or you don't really think it's your kind of thing, check those out um, because you'll probably like them. Now, if you've been following me for a little while or you've listened to previous podcasts, you'll probably know already that journaling is something I also love to do as well. So I don't mean Dear Diary type of high school teenage journaling, but of course, if you feel called to do that, you go right ahead. Um, But there are two journaling practices in particular that I found really, really helpful. And the first one is a gratitude journal. So simply writing down pen to paper three things that you're most grateful for. But instead of making those three things generic things, like in my case, my husband, my kids, and the business that I have, finding and choosing three things from the very day you've had. So I like to do my gratitude practice of a night, um, and then I'll pick those three things from my day. And I just find that it really helps you be more appreciative and grateful for what you have and realize how truly blessed you are. Because even on the world's shittiest day, you will still find three things to write down. Even if it is, I'm alive and I've kept the kids alive today. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's something I really like to do. Now, I actually also do this um, gratitude journal practice with my daughter Shay. So instead of writing it down though, um, although you could, it would become like a a nice keepsake to do if you did. Um, But when she goes to bed each night, I lay in bed with her and she tells me her three most favorite things from her day. And I just love doing this with her because on her school days and the days when I'm not home with her or, um, you know, like when she's at school, it gives me a real insight into her day as well. And it's so lovely to hear the three things she'll choose because sometimes they're completely random. Sometimes it's as simple as I'm grateful for the fruit platter you gave me this afternoon, mum. But like it's it's just so, I really love it. So if you've got kids, um, I really encourage you to do it with them. And like I said, I just really love the insight it gives me into her day and the perspective it gives me as well from her day because even if I've spent the entire day with her, I love to hear the things that have been almost like the highlights for her. Now, the other journaling practice that I do is a stream of consciousness journal and it's basically word dumping your thoughts onto paper. So I'll be honest, when I first started doing this, I it felt so awkward and I literally remember writing, I don't know what to write, this is weird. Um, but soon enough, the words actually do start flowing and I like to do this before bed as well because I find that putting all my thoughts and you know my to-do list that I've got running in my head down onto paper and then closing that journal and then going to sleep just really helps me get a good night's sleep as well because my brain has it's sort of it's a way of clearing your mind and shutting your brain off because we've all had those nights where we're lying in bed trying to get to sleep but we're thinking of the million and one things we've still got to do tomorrow and just all the thoughts that we've had from the day you've just got all that running through your mind so popping it onto some paper and then closing the book on that really, really does help. So definitely um, try that out as well. 
So I hope you can implement at least one of these or if not all of them and I hope that you find that they help. Now I'll be honest it is something you need to do consistently. It's not something that you do once and you think oh I felt really good from that and then you leave it at that. It's something you need to just keep working on and you know, you'll find the times of the days where you'll put these things into practice and what will work for you and what won't. And that's obviously totally fine. Take what you want and leave what you don't. Um, but I do really hope that they, um, they help. And I hope that by me sharing this with you, that it, it's helped at least someone, because for me, I wouldn't say I'm the most private of people. (laughs) Um, but I'm also not exactly somebody who likes to go out and share personal things with people. So it's it's actually been a bit of a big thing for me to even do this podcast. But I hope that it has helped someone. And like I said, if you're someone who has is going through a similar journey right now or has been through it, I honestly, my heart goes out to you. And, um, you know, I'm here for you. So if you ever want to um, reach out to me, you are more than welcome to do so. You can reach me on my social media platforms, which is Renee O'Neill Embracing Life, um, or you can contact me through the contacts page on my website. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So if you ever wanted to do that, please feel free to. Um, and like I said, I hope by sharing this, it has at least helped someone. So um, yeah, I, that's it for this podcast. Um, I'm going to go debrief from it. <laughs> feel like I've been on a bit of an emotional roller coaster just by sharing it. Um, but yeah, I hope it's helped someone. So I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To learn more, you can go to reneeoneal.com. I'm so grateful for you being here and super glad you've taken the time out for yourself to tune into today's episode. If you loved the episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can catch the next one when it's released. Also, if you share this podcast to your Instagram stories and tag me at renee.oneal, I will be sure to send you a little gift straight to your DMs as a thank you.